0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. And if you like this show, the one that you are listening to right now, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. But mostly, you know, just tell somebody. You like this show, you
0: love this show, and you want someone else to listen to it. Also that you love Jaspers, of course, the next evolution of the sports bar, our, our title sponsor here. That brings you this podcast for free each and every week. Uh, Mel Kuyper on the show today. And obviously, we love all of you who listen. um, But if you are a fan of like the episodes where Steve and I don't talk a whole lot. Well, this one's for you. Uh, Because Mel's offense, his words per minute, yards per play offense is still at his age. 40 years doing this off the charts. Still, one of the absolute nicest human beings on the in the history of media. Steve, after our conversation, he gave us forty minutes today. He called me forty-five minutes later and asked to how my kids were doing. Like th- th- this is one of the nicest men you will ever meet in this business. And I know we say that about a lot of people, but it really is Mel Kiper. I promise you, it's he's an extraordinary dude. So peak peak efficiency here. <laughs> In a Mel interview. He is
1: a goddamn wind up toy. All you have to do, and, and and you're gonna hear it. We'll get in a question, and then Mel just goes and and it is it is always gold. It is and, just always gold.
0: I'll have three questions lined up and ready to go for him, and he will answer all three of them without being asked the second two. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good he that's how good he is. Um and, no, he's and he's great, man.
1: Stay tuned. Stay tuned. There is breaking Mel Kuyper oh, news at the end. <laughs>
0: all right. That all is right. very, very important. It's extremely important. It's extremely important. Uh, all right. We'll have a quick... There's there's actually a, a note in here about... The, so we're going to talk to him about his rankings, trusting his rankings versus mock information. What does he hear before the draft? His summer, the evaluation of Will Levis. What, where was the disconnect between like the evaluation in his mind? versus you know some of the guys that disagreed with him and how he got drafted. We'll talk about the Titans draft, but a lot of this is about sort of how draft information moves pre-draft during the draft after the draft. how do you evaluate players the differences between he and some of the other guys at ESPN. So a lot of really fun stuff with Mel. Uh, yes, and of course some very important critical breaking news at the end of the uh, episode. So make sure you make sure you uh, rate review, subscribe and uh, if you if, if you if anyone ever says a negative word about Mel, Mel Kuiper to you, you have my permission to like, like shout them down. Like, you can virtue signal with Mel Kuyper, according to Lamestream. It's totally fair. Uh, go to Jasper's, of course, everybody as well, uh, the next evolution of the sports bar. Uh, and uh, we'll give you a little bit about g- what's going on this weekend uh, in Nashville sports a little bit later on and some, uh, some recommendations as well. But without any more conversation from us, Steve, here was our conversation with the great and extraordinary and very talkative Mel Kuyper. One of the hardest working and nicest people in all of show business, Mel Kuyper on the show. Mel, how are you, sir?
2: Great. Great to be with you, pal. It's not to Mel, but it's close, right?
0: <laughs> um, all right. We're going to talk Titans, of course. We'll talk a little draft, but I want to talk information as well. Um, so just in general, broadly, can you try to explain how information moves pre-draft, during draft, after draft? How do you and the rest of the people that you work with, how do you sort of parse out the information you have before the draft versus the results that you get on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday?
2: Well, the hard part, Braden, is trying to also go with mock drafts and then how do you work in your ratings. So I always tell, like Todd, and I tell Matt Miller and Jordan Reed, don't worry about where players are going to go in the draft, what you're hearing about mock drafts or what your intel is saying, where a kid may be drafted. Grade players based on what you see. And that's the hard part because when you're grading players, Always in the back of your mind is, well, he's probably going to be a first round pick. I don't want to give him a fifth round grade. Well, if you believe he's a, he's got graded the way you see it, and then don't worry about how it looks on draft day when Piper has a guy at eighty five and he goes twenty two. You can't worry about that. Uh, yeah, and i can tell you, but it's hard not to grade because you're always thinking, what am I missing here? So you kind of go back in well, okay, maybe I saw the wrong game or two. Maybe he was a little banged up when I watched him. Maybe they saw him when he was banged up, and I saw him when he was healthy. There's a lot of factors that go into rating players. We can't watch every game. You only watch four to five games a year. You only you don't study every game the kid played in his career. So that's the hard part is th- figuring, do you have the right games? Why are you not seeing what others are? And then s- – Sticking to what you see and not worrying about all the chatter about why are you high on this guy when everybody else isn't, or why are you down on this guy when everybody loves him, or why do you not like him as much as you should? You can't worry about that, and you can't certainly can't worry about mock drafts because sometimes your mock draft will be completely different than your ratings, and it should be. Okay, every team's ratings are different than where guys are going to go. They'll say, hey, we got a guy in the fifth round. We had a second round grade on him. Or some guys that maybe went to a second round with them off our board for whatever reason, like medical, character, whatever it may be. So, again, that's the hard part is kind of juggling and finding balance there of grading and ratings and mock drafts. And that, that to me, it, it gets into your mind. It weighs you down. It affects your <laughs> whole thought process. Mock dress have become – I think I created a monster 45 years ago.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about, a little bit about kind of like your grading process and kind of and what goes into that. How precise do you like to get, and and is there when people are moving up and down? Is this based on uh, kind of intuition? Is this based on kind of something that changed uh, changed numerically for you, or how what 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 moves somebody up or down incrementally?
2: Basically, it's all about which for mock drafts. It's what you're hearing. So mock drafts are all about the intel from the league. Yeah, what did they? And they're not going to tell you what they think. They're going to tell you what they're hearing from other people. Um, the rankings are strictly your own. Now that will change and be fluid based on did I see another game? Did I hear about an injury? Did I hear about something else that would factor into the grade? Uh, that's all a subjective evaluation. Okay, that's just what you think, what you feel, what you see. Not worrying about what Mchae or Matt or Daniel Jeremiah or any teams have. It's it's not based on Jordan Reed. Any of the any of our guys, our friends that are doing this, because they, we try to do, and I know I do, and I tell them, and they I know they do it all independently. I don't see. Todd's grades, Daniel's grades, Matt's grades, or Jordan's grades, or anybody like that. I, and I don't. I hope they don't look at mine and they say they don't. So it, it, you don't want to worry about what somebody else in this business is doing. And we find that out through, Braden will even say, hey, McShay likes this guy higher. <laughs> or or, or Dario will say, this guy, why do you have this guy lower? And McShay will get the same questions when we do our podcast. So again, that's That's where independent scouting is based on. And we all evaluate players differently. I mean, we can go to to Will Levis. I liked Will Levis because I kind of overlooked and didn't care about when he was hurt. Todd said, you can't throw a year away. You know, you got to factor that in. Well, I don't think so. So we have, I guess, a different philosophical look at how you evaluate players, which is great because you don't want everybody. If everybody agreed and everybody said the same thing. Yeah. You'd have 10 guys just say, well, I don't need all 10 of you to ever come. when I only need one of you because you're only representing the other nine opinions. Well, all <laughs> our opinions are different and all our ways of scouting are different, which makes it, I think, for the fans, uh, you know, something that's more entertaining. We,
0: we will absolutely get to Will Levis in just a second. Um, but I'm curious, like, you've done this a long time within the league, not necessarily within the media, but within the league. Are, are there guys, men and women, at sources inside the league that you know that are actually going to tell you the truth, or is it just you do, do? you just assume that everybody's lying?
2: That's a great question because the, the friends that I've had for 45 years or 30 years don't lie to me. And They will say, Hey, I just and I don't ask them for intel that's going to be specific to their team. Now, I have some friends in the league, and I had friends in the league that are no longer in the league. Okay. Because I mean, obviously, I've been doing this for 45 <laughs> years. So, you know, some of the guys have retired. But when they were in the league, my good friends trusted me that when they told me something about their team, it would go no further. And if it ever did, I would lose that friendship. And I knew that. So there was, there was a time where I knew what a team was doing because the general manager was a good friend of mine. Okay? And he told me, he said, hey, when, I'm on, when we're on the clock, you are free to say what I'm telling you. Until that time, it's between you and I. I said, "Great." So we had a Sports Center cut in in the morning, and I remember Freddie Goodelli, a great friend of me. You know, Freddie was producing the draft, and we're doing a Sports Center cut in. And we got to the team; it was early, team picking early. And I said, "Well, I'll have more on that team when they're on the clock." And Freddie said, "You can't be teasing our people. You got to tell them what you know." I said, "Freddie, I'm not telling them what I know now. I'll tell them what I know when we're, the team is on the clock, because I, I, I'm not losing a friendship over a, a two minute cut in or a five minute, three minute cut in, whatever it may be." So sometimes you have to hold your ground even with the pressure of everybody wanting that information when they want it, you have to wait until specific to when you were told you can use it. Um, you know, and, and a lot of teams, I'll, I'll never go to them and say, hey, what do you do? They'll offer it, and that's only a few. I mean, I can count on my one hand the amount of people in the league that said out or, or gave the information specific to their team that was accurate. Nobody's given me only one instance was I ever completely lied to or misled about something from a friend of mine in the league and that was on a rare occasion when it just it applied to somebody who was critical to their team and I got it I wish it would have just been hey I can't say but it was a misleading statement that was made so sometimes that does happen to all of us Uh, only happened once to me um from somebody I valued as a friend um but other than that all the friends I've had in the league have never lied they've never misled if they can't tell me. They say, and it's never even been to a point where they can't tell me. I've never, I've never pressured anybody. I've never asked those questions. So it was all offered. It wasn't, "Hey, who are you taking?" I never would say that to anybody, right? If you were a general manager, I'd say, "Hey, Bray, what are you doing? <laughs> tell me what you're doing." I'm not ever going to do that. I would never. Th- if, they, if you said, "Hey, Mel, this is what we're thinking. We're going to do. Just so you know, this is what we're thinking. Don't be surprised if we do this." Uh, Yeah, this is what this is the way could line up. And if you know, hey, what you told me is going no further and you trusted me enough to say that. That speaks volumes to a strong friendship. And and if people didn't feel that strongly, they wouldn't. And most of the time, I wouldn't ask them anywhere. 100% of the time, I would never ask them. So our conversations were about other teams. What are you hearing from other teams in the league? What's the kind of the chatter from others you're talking to about what teams may be doing? Or is a team trying to trade up? They'll say, hey, we're getting calls from this team or that team. That's what Adam and Wart do all the time. So it, it really, I've always held to, I'd rather not know If you want to tell me fine, if you want to just, you know, players moving up, moving down, it's a different ball game, but specific to a team, I'd rather leave it at that. Let them not even worry about ever thinking about telling me those types of things.
0: So you just said you have to try to keep it separate, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's the team going to do versus what you evaluate, be true to yourself. So how do you not let, once you get that information, even though you're not going public with it, how do you then ignore, hey, I got three teams that really like player X, and yeah. you've kind of figured that out. You can't go on the record and say that, of course. But like, how do you keep that from affecting your actual evaluations and your grades?
2: Hardest part of the equation, but it's hard. It's it's really difficult because you always think, okay, they know everything about these players. They have all the intel, all the scouts, every all the knowledge of medical, character. They're on. The, they have more information, so you think, okay, what am I missing? So you kind of go back to the tape. You say, let me go back and watch this player again. And say, and why am I not seeing? It? And you got to stick to what you believe. And if you don't, and you're going to waver, and you're going to worry about what somebody told you. Now, now I uh, will say this: if there's a player I'm not sure about, and there's, and we always, you know what we say, there's a cliche about players we're not sure about. Well, let's call him Boomer Bust, right? <laughs> I can't lose, right? If he's a great player, I said he was a boom. If he's a bust, I said he could be a bust. So the guy, if you notice, anytime people say he's Boomer Bust, they have no clue what that player is going to be that that's just the way to get out of it and in our players, and, and to defend that comment there are a lot of players over the years and specific to each draft that you just i'll give you an example tyree wilson test rusher out of texas tech i'm not sure what kind of player he's going i don't know i know some are very high on him i wasn't quite as high i love what i see at times but I'm not like Todd was, and I'm not like some teams were saying he's one of the best two, one or two players in the draft. So I just said, hey, boomer bust bust. Could be great. Could be a bust. I don't really know. So there's going to be players like that all the time. But you really have to stick to what your opinion is. You, you can't let that sway you. The only time it will sway me is if I'm really not sure if I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on a player. It might push me to like him a little more or not like him a little more. But other than that, Braden, more, 90% of the time, the opinion on a player is not going to change
1: to to that end uh, the we we've, we've talked with with people a lot about kind of the evolution of college systems and 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 you know there are things that are now specific to college uh in offense and uh, and on defense that the the players that are in that system are not going to be playing that same way in mm-hmm. uh in, in the pros how do you how do you rate a a player kind of within that kind of system when you're looking at tape that is just clearly not going to transfer to, to, to the NFL?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. That's a hard part of it. And I always call the guys you're pulling up against AOGs. That's another occupation guys because they, that's what you're playing against for the most part in college guys who are not going to be in the NFL uh, that were certainly not for long. And and most of them won't even get to a camp. So if you can't get the job done at a high level against those types of, I call them AOGs then what are you going to do when you're up against the best in the world in terms of systems? Hey, you come out of a certain offense where you're not used as much What's going to happen when you are more of a factor? You're not you asked to block. You're not asked to run a specific route tree. You're not. So all these different things, technique part of offensive tackle play. Yes, he plays high. He does a knee bender, a waist bender, all these different things, the corners, He flipping his hips as he locate the ball down the field. Can The other thing is, can he be coached up in those areas? Yes, we're not getting finished products. Vinny Serrato, a good friend of mine, GM in the NFL, who built that 1988 with Lou Holtz, at championship Notre Dame team, last time Notre Dame ever won a national title, the name Serato always says to me, no, they have coached before their name for a reason. Yeah, you know, that's why they're coach whoever, Co- your coach, coach them. Don't think you're getting finished products coming out of college because you're not. The term I hate, and I think Braden's heard this, and who's the most NFL ready? None of these guys were the most And who knows who the most NFL ready is. Everybody said Josh Rosen was the most NFL ready quarterback when Josh Allen was uh, was drafted in and in, in that year. Oh, oh, Josh Rosen is the most NFL ready by far. Well, how'd that work out? So again, I don't care about NFL ready. Uh, I, I want guys to come in. They are gonna have some flaws, they're gonna have some areas they need to approve on. And a lot of times what team they go to, what organization they go to what coach gets them is their continuity within that player's first two or three years is he going to a team that has a system in place he learns it then the next year the coordinator's gone new system third year another system if you get a a quarterback that has been five years in the league with three different offenses i guess he would struggle a little bit so for continuity for the players very important i can't you can't do anything about that there's some things that hey you grade a player he goes into the nfl what happens thereafter I had no control over. I and mean, the teams, the organizations, the coaches, they determine the fate of a lot of players. do will go back to why did Kuiper McShay? Why'd you have this guy? You blew it on that guy. You were completely well, maybe we were, maybe we weren't. Uh, but sometimes there are other reasons why a player didn't make it. Had he gone here instead of there, maybe he would have developed into a heck of a player. So there's a lot of that going on. That's why you always kind of second guess things in this business. I always tell you don't get into that because it'll drive you crazy. That's one thing I've tried to, try to tell everybody young that's coming up in this business. Don't second guess. Don't try to look back too much and figure out why you did this or why you didn't do that. Yes, you have to look at your mistakes and try to learn from them. But I've had so many times where people say, Oh, I'm not going to make the same mistake with this player that I made with that player. Guess what? They should have liked that player, not liked them, and not even cared about that because they made the mistake again yeah. by not liking the guy that they should have liked because they were not about what they did two years ago. So, again, there's no perfect formula to scout. That's why so many mistakes are made. It's, you're still college to pro. Go back and look, guys, at high school ratings compared to how they did in college. I do it because I love college, high school recruiting, right? Look at Drake May. Drake May was like the 10th, 12th highest rated quarterback by the experts coming out of high school. How'd that work out? Six, five or six of those guys have already transferred to their second school. And Drake <laughs> May's going to be the second pick. So the mistakes coming out of high school to college are huge. The mistakes coming from the NFL, from college to the NFL, are huge sometimes because you're going from a level to a completely different level. Okay? High school kids get to college. They're all really good. High school, that's not the case. College, the AOGs, they don't exist in the NFL. They're not another occupation guy in the NFL. That's their job. They're the best in the world. So all these different levels, you're going to see mistakes made. And that's just the the way it is. You're not going to be perfect. You can't beat yourself up for being wrong. I always say you can't be right in this business if you're afraid to be wrong. So you're never going to make any statements if you're going to be scared to make a mistake or be wrong. So you can't be right. If you're afraid to be wrong, if you hold to that, I think you'll have more success than failure.
1: Along those lines, let me ask you, what's the what's it take for you to look at a division two player and who's the, who's the, who's the D2 player that you've, that you've rated the highest over the years?
2: Wow. That's a great question. I mean, as far as guys that aren't division one a uh, in that area i always look at the schools like the colonial athletic association and you see players from a richmond a william and mary a Towson and you get schools like that or go out to the Montana States, you know, Montana, the big sky conference schools, and you look at them. But I think when you look at corners and you look at wide receivers and you look at some tight end, McCallum Castles is a kid. Of, well, you know, was out at UC Davis. Now he's at Tennessee. Let's see how he does on the SEC. Because now with the transfer portal, you get kids leaving some of those schools to come to the major college ranks where before they had to stay there. They, they couldn't, they couldn't move around. Yeah, they, they weren't, yep. they were staying where they were for the most part. Now with the transfer portal, that alleviates that problem. You know, to go to what you're talking about, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco came out of Delaware. He was he went down from Pitt to Delaware. Love Joe Flacco and Flicking Flacco. He goes to Baltimore, he wins a Super Bowl here. So sometimes you get guys like that. You know, Tony Romo out of eastern Illinois. Those are some of the guys from the lesser schools that, that were evaluated and were written up and ended up being really good players in a national football. Others like Kurt Warner at Northern Iowa, nobody had rated highly and nobody even do anything. about it. He goes, he's bouncing around. He ends up being a Hall of Famer. So sometimes even guys like that, you never really get a true hand one, but you can't beat yourself up for that. Then you go to, like I say, the pass rushers. We see some of those guys coming out of the smaller schools into the national football. Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon came out of what was a Grand Valley State, and look what he did as a late round pick. So I think the pass rushers you have to be really aware of some of these guys because if they had that bend and they have that explosiveness, it doesn't matter where you're playing. If you got bend and explosiveness, you can play anywhere. So I think you can find some of those guys. You can certainly find players at any position. But I think it's been it's really fascinating to see the quarterbacks guys over the years that have come out of lesser programs that or went down the level like Joe did. what Joe, Joe said, okay. I'm not going to play a pit. They had Tyler Palko. Tyler yeah. Palko. This is why I get a little I frustrated with people saying, well, Will Levis couldn't beat out Sean Clifford, right? Well, Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. He had a lead to go to LSU. Look what if it happened to the guys that were playing ahead of him. Not so good. Jake Fromm was at Georgia. And Justin Fields said, I can't, I'm not beating out Jake Fromm. i got to go to Ohio State. What happened with you? Who's better, Jake Fromm or Justin Fields? So they talk <laughs> about all this stuff here. Joe Flacco left Pitt because of Tyler Palco goes to Delaware and becomes a first-round pick. Right. So it, it is, I think, with the portal now and the fluidity. I mean, I just looked at it. I think there's like 400 and some wide receivers in the portal. <laughs> I mean, well, I, 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 just print out, I just printed it all out. It, the sheet, it's like a st- thousands <laughs> of players are in that portal right now.
0: I am uh there's one wide receiver out of UT Martin I will be asking you about here in just a second. Uh there's no question about that. But every single one of these questions, but first of all, also I'm so happy we got a Tyler Palco reference onto the show. Just I love I love that. Um here's what I'll here every single one of these questions, though, is sort of tied to Will Levis in some way, shape, or form. Pre-draft information, your grades versus what you're hearing. The fact that I think I asked you, we were doing a show, I think it was like November or December of last year, and I said, Who has changed in your mind more than anybody? And you said Will Levis might be my number one player on my board overall. He clearly was graded that way by some teams, but then also not by others. And so the Titans get him at thirty three. I know you're very uh, pro Will Levis in terms of the pick for the Titans, but kind of can you kind of explain the information? Because like this is a there was sort of some misinformation from fans and media about like who this guy is. Because the stuff that goes viral isn't the stuff that's really who he is, and. You know, all this other like there's so much going on with Will Levis and how he ends up falling to 33. So why yeah. did you like him so much? Why does he fall to 33? And what's the the disconnect in the middle there?
2: Yeah, I kind of felt like Will Levis's defense attorney during all this. I really <laughs> did. I, it was more trying to defend against <laughs> a defend against, I thought, unfair criticism. Uh, I guess you could say it's everything's fair in this business. You can look at. But I think unfair by that. I mean, when you're hurt and you're beat up like he was, that would be like if I came on here with a sore throat, and I'm going to struggle to talk to you guys. My Kuiper was a little off this game today. Well, I guess so. I, yeah, I got 102 and I got a, a struck throat. I'm, I'm gutted out here, guys, doing the best I can, right? Well, you're not going to be performing to the level you would if you're banged up, injured, sick, whatever. So when you are a quarterback and you're beat up from head to toe and the fact that you could move so well uh, two years ago when you were healthy, but this year you can't move. So you're no threat to a defense running. You're no threat doing anything with your legs. Because your foot, your toe is so bad. Um, your offensive line is awful. Your receivers aren't running the right routes. Uh, you know, all these things are factoring in. So you got to look at that. Well, some chose not to. And that's their prerogative. I thought it was unfair, but that's their prerogative to evaluate Will Levis and say, okay, he turned the ball over too much. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't look. He didn't look as good as he did two years ago. Well, there was a reason because he was beat up from head to toe. So, and he didn't have the players around him. That he did like Wandale Robinson and Darian Kennard and and Luke Fortner. So, uh, there was a lot of reasons. So, if you want to factor in those reasons and give him kind of a a pass, then you do what I did. If you don't and you want to be strict to say, hey, he's out there playing. He made some mistakes. You can't make. I don't care if you're hurt. You can't be fumbling the ball away in the final. Couple minutes of the old miss game, mental, you know, you're doing two two mistakes late. The old miss game. I get that. I understand that. And there's no perfect formula to evaluate Will Levis. If he's a bust and he's not that good, then they'll say, "Hey, pound your chest. You were right. I was wrong." If he is good, I'll say, "Well, you should have factored in a little more of this or that." So it'll be a good learning uh, situation with Will Levis moving forward for people. But um, in terms of, of Will, it was a tough. It was a tough evaluation. Because you didn't see the same quarterback this year as you did in 2021 because he was hurt. 2022, beat up. He had nine rushing touchdowns two years ago. He had zero over the last eight games when he was hurt and couldn't move. Against Tennessee, if you look at the tape, there were miles in front of him to run. And he just... Stood there and tried to find a receiver because I can't move. I, I'm, there, I'm not getting it. By the time I get five yards, somebody's going to close and, and hit me anyway. So I just can't move anymore. So I'm sure it frustrated Will uh, as well. But he got it out. He didn't quit on his team. He played through it. Uh, what I liked about him too: 0 and 2 in the games he didn't play, outscored by a score of 45 to 14. That meant a lot. Remember, people hated Josh Allen coming out. He was my number one quarterback. I heard the same criticism of Josh: he can't throw an accurate pass. He does. He's, you know, he's, he's reckless. He does this. He does that. He, you know, he's, they just, you can't, you've got to be able to complete passes to play quarterback in this league. He's so inaccurate. Look at this throw. Look at that throw. So again, I heard that about Josh, but again, the two games he missed late in the year with a shoulder, they lost the bad teams Wyoming did and they did. And he came back for the bowl game and they win. So Will was a difference maker at quarterback. Like Josh was a difference maker at quarterback. Does that mean he'll be like Josh and be a great quarterback in the NFL? Can't say that for sure. But, uh, you know, I'm betting on Will Levis. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. But uh, I get why Todd said what he did, why Matt Miller said what he did. I understand that argument, that side of it. I will say this, where people say, well, that proves the point that he didn't deserve to be in the top ten. That's a ridiculous statement. It, it, that proves the point he didn't because he went there. The Colts were going to uh, have admitted that if Anthony Richardson were gone. He would have probably been their pick, or would have been their pick at four. The Ravens would have taken him at twenty-two if they didn't sign in, uh, Get the deal done. with Lamar Jackson draft day, right? If they didn't get that deal done. L- Will Levis would have been a Baltimore Raven. They might even a trade up to get. traded up to get Will Levis. So history would have been rewritten had things going a certain way. I will say this, in 40 years ago, I was interviewing Boomer Esiason, my first draft at ESPN. He had gone from the early first round pick to the second round, and I was having a similar conversation with Boomer that I would have had with Will Levis. he were sitting there talking to me that day. So it's amazing, 40 years later, my first draft to my 40th draft, we had Boomer Esiason, now we have Will Levis. And guess what, guys? In college, they both were number seven. Now Will's wearing number eight moving forward, but they were both number seven, and you know, <laughs> you, know you think about it, the, the careers, let's let's hope that Will Levis is what Boomer was, a Super Bowl quarterback, didn't win that game against Joe Montana, because Joe Montana beat him, right, with the drive late, <laughs> the pass to John Taylor, but I, I hope that Will can become as good as Boomer Siasen was.
0: That's the kind of context you have to have, number sevens, they, they were number sevens. Also, no offensive coordinator, and the fumble against Ole Miss probably was targeting, so also important. Uh, also, <laughs> now, I didn't think
2: about that, great. I'll bring that up for moving forward. Also right. important in context as
0: well. Mel, take a breath, by the way. Just take a deep breath. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned... Um, well, I want to ask you about the Titans' prospects here in, in, in okay, just sure. a little bit. Um, But Levis as a grade versus Malik Willis as a grade. I, I get asked this a lot from a lot of people. I've now seen Levis in one rookie camp, and I watched basically every practice of Willis at rookie camp last year. I can tell the difference, but it's hard to explain. Explain the difference in, in why... One was a late third round pick and passed on by everybody three times. And one was worth trading up for with the 33rd pick.
2: Well, Malik had a similar situation where he was at over a three or four game stretch that final year when we were evaluating him through some interceptions. He made some bad decisions, made some throws that you question. The talent, you could see the arm, you could see the mobility, the running skills, the toughness of Malik Willis. Uh, I thought he'd be no later than a late one, early two. He dropped to the third, which I thought was a really good pick by the Titans. I think it's really unfair to look at last year and say, look at the struggles throwing the football. He needed time. We knew that. That. And I thought, okay, with Ryan Tannehill there, he would have time Well, the injury and things happen and you're forced out there. Uh, but for Malik Willis, I would not write Malik Willis off at all. Uh, I, I, we're, we're kicking quarterbacks to the curb after year one coming out of Liberty. This is nuts. I mean, back in the, when I started this business, we were four to five years developing quarterbacks. I watched great quarterbacks their rookie year. I saw John Elway here in Baltimore when he went to Denver, number one overall in the Ravens' course of the Colts. The Colts traded him to Denver, right, after he had been the number one pick overall. And I'm watching him at Memorial Stadium, and the, the Colts got the best of him. They, they, he couldn't do anything against the Colts. He got hurt with an ankle injury after he was sacked. And except Steve DeBerg, and Steve DeBerg led them to a comeback victory. They don't win that game, but John Elway's not hurt. If John Elway plays that whole game. They beat John Elway, who ended up being, I my mean, opinion, the greatest quarterback of all time. But as for me, my highest-graded player ever was John Elway. But he didn't look good as a rookie. So, again, it took time. So, again, for Malik, to answer your question, I think Malik deserves an opportunity to compete for this job. And that's going to be really fun to see how it all plays out. It's a year ahead of the game. And you think about Will. Will came out of a pro offense. Will came out of, out of two different coordinators, too, as well. He had a, Liam Cohen as a junior. He had this year. So he had two different offenses as well to work under. But, and, of course, he began his career at Penn State. But for Malik, I think he deserves, for me, a little more time before you write him off. Uh, the talent's there. The want-to's there. Uh, yes, Will Levis, had a, for me, had a much higher grade coming out than what Malik had when you compare just to grades. That's why you grade players to see, okay, yes, I thought he'd be a late one, early two at worst, but what were the grades? The grades of Will Levis was a lot higher than Malik Willis. So I think he will be a better quarterback. That doesn't mean that Malik at some point in time in his career can't be a successful starting quarterback in this league.
0: Lame Stream Sports is brought to you by
1: Jasper. Always brought to you by the fine folks at jasper's where i spent a lovely afternoon part of an afternoon here this week uh at a at a business lunch and i gotta tell you mm. had a bunch of uh had a bunch of uh jasper's newbies uh in there uh meeting uh meeting demetria and i for uh for lunch and we ran the gamut we there there's the, the it is such a great uh, is such a great menu for to bring in like a big group of people. Some people wanted salads, some people went went straight with straight sandwiches. Um uh, friend next to me did did the power bowl which if you haven't done it is just it's so good. It's you know, it's cauliflower rice and and quinoa and edamame and it's just it is
0: absolutely fantastic. Add protein. Add you some grilled chicken or some salmon to that thing. Who boy, that thing will send you off the rest of your day. Not it's got these hold- little
1: these little it's tempura great. crispies in there. Yeah,
0: it's they're great. just like no, it's great. It's just like the like a little hint of fried. As I've gotten closer and closer to your age, Steve, I uh, find myself Thanks, enjoying power bowls more Thanks. often. <laughs> Across the board, I'll be on vacation. I don't mind a good power bowl in the morning, especially if you're going for a hike. You know, but if you know, it's it's a, it's a great source of energy, very healthy, and in this case, particularly delicious. Uh, I, I don't know what you're watching this weekend. It, it is a great place for a business meeting, great place for happy hour, great place for the kids. Grab and go market. It literally has something for everybody. It's fantastic. You guys have no, you guys know the drill. Uh, here's the thing. I, I'm watching the PGA Championship because I, uh, as I am getting closer to your age, I love golf more. Um, and apparently this is
1: becoming a bit.
0: I, I, I didn't mean for it to be, but I, it is because I'm getting, I'm getting older. I enjoy the relaxation of watching golf even on Thursdays and Fridays. It's, it's fantastic. So I like the, I like the
1: relaxation
0: of taking a nap in the middle and then waking up
1: for the back nine <laughs> that's and being of... like, and, and being like, God, this is really exciting stuff. And I just got, and I just caught a nap. I feel refreshed. That's and it's a ap- major go- and it's a major championship
0: it's part of the appeal uh we do not want you falling asleep at Jasper's however if you're watching the golf here's here's my question though about what you're watching this weekend you've got Dallas versus Vegas in the Western Conference in the final four uh and and you've got Carolina and Florida in the Eastern Conference which team do you hate the least if you're a predators yeah. fan which of the four are you actually rooting for to win the championship all four southern markets all four non-traditional markets uh obviously it's not Dallas, so, other than Dallas, which one do you hate the least? If you're at Jasper's watching some playoff hockey this weekend, I think it has to be one of the Eastern teams. But, and, really? And it's because
1: well, and it's because it's because we don't see them as much. Um, I mean, I, I just I <laughs> I want there to be no winner out of the West. I want the the commissioner to step in and go, you know what? You guys were good. We're just gonna we're just gonna give the Stanley Cup to the Eastern the Eastern winner. I I, I, don't, I, I, hate, I hate I'm rooting Vegas. for
0: the I'm rooting for Vegas. Why? Because I like the West. I, I'm okay with the Western Conference. They're kind of a new fresh thing. They stole everything from the Predators, so it's sort of like uh, the Predators winning. I just don't want Dallas. I just don't want Dallas. I, I, Florida I, I is also been, not exciting. Florida's not exciting.
1: So. I could have been okay with the Kraken. I I, I, was, I, 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 was, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I agree. I cannot be okay with Vegas.
0: I, I agree. agree. I agree. I wanted. I wanted the Seattle Kraken to win as well. Either way, all of these things, golf or playoff hockey or playoff basketball or baseball, I don't know, maybe some softball going on as well, all of that can be seen at Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar. This is where you say, go to Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. There we go.
1: Mel, uh, what do you... How do you how do you look at the rest of the Titans draft and and to to Braden's point, we're very interested in a in a UT Martin receiver here mm-hmm. who's taken in a very late round and Titans fans are have been have been hoping for some help at receiver. Can mm-hmm. can can he be that help?
2: You know, you can you come up at diamonds in the rough catching lightning, and you never know. He was what the two hundred twenty eighth player taken. And you come from a level of competition where you should be, and all these kids, and that wasn't the only one. If you even think of Trey Palmer, comes from LSU to Nebraska. He was a sixth-round pick of Tampa Bay. You know, here's a kid who ran a great 40, dropped to the sixth round. I, I, I thought there was a kid coming out of Southern Mississippi. When you think about where we are right now, there's Southern Mississippi receiver who went undrafted. I thought was a good player. So, and there's other players that go undrafted. We forget there's seven rounds in this draft. Okay. I, I came up with 17 rounds, guys. Think about that. 17 rounds. There were 12 <laughs> rounds when I started in this business, and even at ESPN, it went from 12, 17 to 12 to seven. So I think when you look at that, you say, okay, a lot of the guys that are eighth would have been eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth are now undrafted free agents. So there's nothing wrong with being a guy that even goes undrafted in this particular. Like I said there's, I got, I got a list of about thirty five guys that I think can make teams that are undrafted. But to the point about the Titans, you, you hope you can catch lightning in a bottle. I think the same thing happens when you get to a Jalen Duncan from Maryland. I watch Jalen Duncan. I'm here in, in, in the Maryland area, and Jalen Duncan's got first round talent. I mean, this is a kid. Some were mocking first round. Did you go back to early mock drafts? I think, if I'm not mistaken. Jalen Duncan's name would appear and maybe in the late first round. I think somebody even had him to Kansas City. I saw when it was brought up on one of our podcasts that somebody had mocked Jalen Duncan to Kansas City at the end of the first round. I don't know what mock that was or who did it. But you know, Jalen Duncan has that type of ability. And you get him at pick 186. If you can coach, again, it gets back to coaching him, working on being more consistent, focusing. Play to play in college, you can take plays where your your focus and your concentration lags a little bit. In the NFL, you can't. You give up. You can have. You can have a heck of a game. A couple couple missed uh, opportunities, and there's two sacks, and you're being criticized heavily because your quarterback got hit hard twice. So you can't have that. You can't have any hiccups in the NFL when you're an offensive tackle, left tackle. So for Jalen, the talent's there. Coaching him, getting him to be more consistent going to be very important then you get to we talked about you know the injury concerns the medical part of it and that's when you start hearing that as the weeks lead up to the draft you hear ty J spears with the knee which he had had it to lane with the acl you say okay where is that going to push him is you know i had a second third round grade is that going to push him into the fourth fifth round he ended up basically going where he was projected to go so the injury Concern didn't really affect him. He went and picked 81 in the third round. So he wasn't impacted much at all by the injury. Then you get to Josh Wiley. I thought one of the top H-backs, move guys in this in this draft. You get him in the fifth round out of Cincinnati. He had that Bearcat program where he did a heck of a job for Luke Fickle. So they got, I think, guys moving forward, all offensive players, by the way. I think they're the only team I've seen recently just go all one side of the ball with every pick they had. And they did, all offense of guys for the Tennessee Titans. I gave him a B-plus grade. And Skaronsky, as Peter Skoronsky, was a really, I'd say, fascinating evaluation, I had him at left tackle throughout most of the process. And I kept thinking 6'3 and a half with short arms. How's that going to translate at left tackle? Is he going to have issues? And I went back to the game against Michigan two years ago against David Ojabo, who had great length, and he struggled. I said, okay, if he gets up against these guys on a regular basis, can he hold up at left tackle? Maybe, maybe not. He'll have some issues at at times, but at guard, he can be a Pro Bowl guard. He's plug-and-play Pro Bowl guard. So I said, let's move him to guard. So I did, in my rankings, move him from tackle to guard. He was my number one uh, guard, Peter Skaransky. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see, with his height and short arms for tackle, can he overcome that? Because he's a master technician. He's a tremendous knowledge of the spot. Knows how to keep those defenders at bay. Needs to keep that frame. Knows how to keep that frame between the defensive end and a quarterback. He adjusts the secondary moves very effectively. But will the length become an issue? And if it is, hey, you got a great guard. You got a Pro Bowl caliber guard. Can he play all five positions in the NFL? Probably. Played left tackle at Northwestern. I said he had potential versatility to play all five spots, and I think. He can be a great guard, so it's going to be really interesting to see how his career plays out. I think that they, I think for every pick you could say, let's go to Skranchy. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Will Levis, Is he Kuyper right or is McShay right? Although McShay's covered all the bases here. Yeah, you know, he, he said <laughs> I really, really, really like Will Levis. I just don't love him like you did. So if he's really good, he'll say I really, 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 really like them. And if he's not, I didn't like him as much as you did. So again, so again, but pretty Lettis good McShay. Did. Exactly, <laughs> Will Levis will be a and Ty J Spears with the medical. With how how yeah. how much longevity will Ty J Spears have? Josh Wiley, kind of the H back guy, Jalen Duncan, first round talent, but slides because he's inconsistent. And then you got the the uh, UT Mark receiver, who's way off the radar, gets drafted, can he prove the doubters and skeptics wrong. And can he make a team? Can he be a guy who, for a team that needs help at that spot, be a player that makes it? I don't have the answer to that. Nobody in the league uh, felt strongly enough to take him higher than that. But the Titans did, or the Titans going to find that diamond in the rough? So I think every pick that they made on the offensive side of the ball is really going to be interesting in terms of evaluating moving forward, because they all had something that, you were a little concerned about or something that caused a mixed opinion or a different opinion. Uh, It's good. I I think again, I gave them a B plus grade. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that they made some really good choices. They might've took some guys that other teams may have not had as high or maybe questioned the position value of taking a guy there or whatever it may be. Uh, I don't know what it could be, but I, I think they're, they're one of the teams that I think when we look back three years from now, I'm gonna look at every pick they made, and it's gonna you're gonna learn something from that.
0: I, I don't need a very long answer on this one, um, but when you grade out a, a class, is it just based on value of your grade of the prospect versus where they were selected, or do you incorporate team need and and what the te- like yeah. the, the the positions as well? Is that is it all baked into one? You only you only, yeah, gave, really out, you only gave out four A's.
2: Yeah, I, I, gave a, I gave out no, I think I gave no bad grades. Because nobody had a bad draft. And this was not, keep in mind, this was not a good draft. This was a very, I'll be kind, a very mediocre draft <laughs> uh, from a personnel standpoint. Uh, and when you look at grades compared to other years, that's what you do. You look at all your grades and say, okay, how did they stack up against all these other years? And the guys that were highly rated weren't as high as those guys. And the guys from the second, third round on were kind of in that group. So I think from the second to fourth round, it was pretty good. First round probably wasn't as good, in my opinion. But to answer your question, when I do the grading, it's based on needs. No question, it's based on needs. Yeah. Did they hit their areas of concern? Uh, did they draft a guy based on my grades that was much higher than I thought he should have been, or much lower? I factor all that in. Uh, I also try to give the benefit of the doubt if I like the player, but he was it was the best available player at that point. There was nobody else. Because you have to go to when they picked. Who was in a neat area? Maybe there wasn't anybody there. They just had to take the best guy. And for the Titans, I gave them a B plus because I liked what they did. It worked out beautifully to get Levis the way they did. They didn't have to trade up. I mean, they had to trade up. They had to trade up into the first round. They give up a lot, like go into the middle of the first round area or into the late first round. Uh they sort to of get scrum- And all these guys are gonna be tied together because they're all offensive guys. So really will. Real will be tied to Peter Skoronsky. Will will be tied to Ty J. Spears. He'll be tied to Wiley and Duncan and Dow. So he's going to have all these guys are going to have play a factor in Will Levis's career yeah. and moving forward. So that's going to be fun to see how that plays out. So you, you do factor all that in. But again, it's a subjective grade. Um, you know, I also factor in this wasn't a great dress. I'm not going to say... Yeah. This team got a D grade People gave out D's and F's on this draft. It's like, hey guys, realize this was not a strong draft and realize the opinions were all over the place on a lot of players. So while you may have an opinion, you may be wrong. Because this is a very I, I said about before the draft, I might have said it to you, Braden, when we were doing the Darian Mel show. That if if you come out of this draft four or five years from now, if you guys look back and said the Titans got an A draft or a B plus draft, or any team for that matter, got a B plus or an A draft. I would give all my scouts a raise because this is a draft that if you five, not now, but five years from now, you look back and say, boy, in that 2023 draft, we got a B, B plus A draft. Then boy, your scouts did a heck of a job.
0: Yeah,
1: I have a very important non-football question. Mel. pumpkin pie for breakfast.
2: I can grab this right over there, but guess what I'm one of these, what do they call it? The, um, where you intermittent fasting diet now. Uh, Kim got me on this where you go, you don't eat anything after like 7 o'clock at night.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you wait 16 hours to eat anything else. So I'm looking at the clock now. It's about 12.10. I cheated a little last night. Went like about 9 o'clock, you know, with a little <laughs> ice cream, whatever. But uh, and fat-free whipped cream, whatever. I got it right in the refrigerator. Here, but I'm, I'm cut. The pumpkin pies are, I would say, guess what? I got breaking news. No more pumpkin pie.
0: No. What? Yeah
2: yeah oh my I'm god yeah the breaking news guys I, it's way too much sugar um, I'm down to oh. one. used to have I used to have you yeah, a lot of them in the refrigerator now I got one only it might be my last <laughs> for a while uh yeah I'm not one of these to have to wean off of it you go from your your normal intake to just scale it I'm all or nothing if you tell me no I'm done I'm done oh. with it yeah, no, I nice. will be great yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be yeah <laughs> pumpkin pies are a thing of the past I, with me guys. And fat-free whipped cream is free whipped cream's going by the boards too now. Can you believe that? I, no so i fat-free whipped cream.
0: I'm very much like oh. you. Like I, I am terrible with moderation. It's like I'm eating yeah. the entire carton or I'm not going to touch it at all. Like, I, That's I, me. I've, I've, learned, never, I, I've
2: never had any balance in anything. No moderation. <laughs> right. All or
0: nothing.
2: So um, I, can't, I can't do the moderation thing either.
0: All right. We'll let you go, man. You've been very gracious with your time. I just want you to kind of just tell everybody real quickly, like, what – what does the next couple of months look like for you? Are you just watching tape on 2020, 2022 tape for 2024 players? Like, what? Just give everybody a quick little, like, hey, this is what the summer months look like for a draft expert.
2: Well, you have to regenerate. So you got to get out and do other things. And I'm going to be back eating crab cakes this summer. So I'll be back Ooh. doing that and relaxing and doing all the things you do here in the land of pleasant living, which you have down in Nashville as well. Uh, so to me, it's just you know taking the time where you're not. Under a time limit. There's no time restraints. There's nothing to say you need to evaluate these players by a certain point. I have all summer. I had the big board coming out in late August. So by late August, I'll have top ten positional rankings of the top twenty five big board for next year. So each day, I'm every day I'm looking at. And now with the portal, I'm trying to just figure out where's Franklin, the kid, the wide receiver at UTSA, Texas San Antonio. Where's he going to end up? He just came into the portal. He's active active a player. It's Kari Franklin, where, where's he going to go? You know, what's going to happen with Keon Coleman, the receiver at Michigan State, now into the portal? The pass rusher at James Madison's in the portal. I mean, I want to see where these guys end up. So you're also looking, which is kind of the fun part of guys leaving programs, where they end up. You know, look at the portal. There's thousands of guys in there. So it's, it's basically charting that, getting ready for the season. But each day, trying to look at, to answer your question, probably five to ten guys a day. And just get a handle okay. on that, and then a lot of these guys will end up going back to college. They won't even be in the 2024 draft, which kind of helps you for 2025. So, it looks like some of the guys for this year I've already looked at, thinking they might be in this draft, and they're not. So, uh, you spend this time during the summer regenerating because you can't. You need a break after the draft. So, I take a couple weeks to just basically after grading everything, then looking at where the undrafted free agents land, worry about that a little bit, and now worry about next year. So we got to turn the page to 2024, basically two weeks after the draft. Now we're in the middle of May. Into later for it. The Preakness is a Saturday uh, here at Old Hilltop Pimlico. So you get a chance to, to do that. McShay's big into horse racing. Get, we had a loser for the Kentucky Derby. We'll see if we can get a winner for the Preakness. So, uh, yeah, get do other things. Go to Orioles. Orioles were playing well, lost last night. They've lost a couple now, but they're playing really good baseball. Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias have done a great job with the Orioles. So uh, watch a little baseball, love that. And basically, I don't go back. As you know, Great Dari and Mel, I start back the end of August with week yep. zero. So a little break with Dari now. Uh, and we, I mean, you'll probably fill in during the year as well coming up. So look forward to that. And then uh, the TV part starts in August as well. So I get a little break until mid-August, basically, when everything has to be done by.
0: Well, your voice is in mid-season form, even in May. Uh, no strep. No, You're, you're 100%, <laughs> Mel. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it, bud.
2: I appreciate it, guys. Had a great time, man. Take care.
0: That was Mel Kiper, uh, of course, uh, a mile a minute there about everything possible with the Titans with mock drafts. Um, I do think it's interesting. And I, I so there's a lot of things to react to here. I don't have as much to say about the player evaluations. Um, I think they kind of are what they are. And we know as much about Will Levis as as Titans fans can possibly know about Will Levis until he actually plays a football game in a Titans uniform. So I, I find But what I find interesting is sort of staying true to your evaluation, I think is a very difficult thing to do. He explains that because then you learn information through this entire process over a year and some change of doing this. And and you have to sort of hold firm to what you think and what you believe. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. And that's a tough thing to do when you have a million forces and very high level sources like Mel Kuyper has kind of inputting into his world. Because
1: because we see these guys only on TV and and usually we're seeing them in like... You know, three minute hits on Sports Center. Uh, we kind of, we and, and because they kind of, they, they kind of bounce them off of each other. Um, the network does. We assume that these guys are sitting around shooting the shit on, on player evaluations or whatever else. I mean, what I took away from Mel was, no, they're pretty siloed about this thing. It's not like they're, I mean, it, it's not like they're sitting there arguing with each other off, you know, off air here for months on end. They 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 have their evaluations and they're trying to be as true to them as possible, and it's not like, you know, it, it's not like he's like ah oh, well McShay finally, uh, finally fi- finally pulled me over here on on Levis. I I really <laughs> I really should value the 2022 tape more than the 2021.
0: And here's the thing about the injury question that that he kind of laid out the difference between he and some of the other evaluators of, evaluators evaluators of, of Will Levis. Is that it's just there's no right or wrong answer about the injury thing like Tajay Spears has no ACL and two torn ACLs and people still disagree about whether or not that's okay or not okay like you can't it Levis the toe injury he was banged up most of his final season I'm not suggesting that's the entire reason why you know people evaluated him the way they did you could certainly evaluate him fairly and think I don't think he's good enough but the injury thing, there is no right or wrong answer. Mel Kuyper looks at it as, all right, I'm not going to count that in part of the evaluation. Todd McShay looks at it as, well, he was injured. And if he gets injured, that's a part of who he is as a player. And so I think there's no right or wrong answer because we don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. I think the way he plays lends itself to some injury stuff. But I actually, actually, I'm I'm okay with Mel Kuyper saying, look, I'm taking out the injury stuff. This is why I grade him where he is because without the injuries, I have him here. And then you just got to be sort of super, super convicted in that. Um, I want to, unless you got anything else to add, I want to sort of take something Mel said about news and pivot into our recommendation. So you, you, you recommended uh, Ben Smith's new book, uh, the former uh, uh, founder of Buzzfeed. And I don't remember the name of it.
1: Yeah. The name of it's traffic
0: traffic. Okay. Really interesting book. Uh, He did an interview with a pod uh, that I recommend all the time uh, offline if you're obsessed with how the internet is breaking our brains and sort of how be, the media, to be
1: fair, Ben Smith has done a, an yeah. interview with every <laughs> right, pod but right. this one right now.
0: <laughs> that, that's we're we're efforting, um, and, and it's part of the book tour. But like this particular show, I've recommended before, John hosts hosted. It is extremely thoughtful. He's got psychologists and and all kinds of just, just super smart people that study the human brain, media, I- internet, technology, and like Ben Smith was on recently, did like a a, an hour-long conversation with them. And Mel said something interesting that made me think of your recommendation and then the interview I heard with with Ben. He talked about how like, I'm not going to break that story like just for the two-minute hit on SportsCenter, right? It, th- that is not how media works anymore. Media works with, I got something, I need to get this video up as quickly as possible. I need this 30-second soundbite to be out on my Twitter feed as quickly as possible. And sometimes, and what Ben talked about in the interview, was when he first started working in media, he would get a tip from the police, or he would get, there would be something, he was on a crime beat, I think, in, in um, I don't remember where, maybe Chicago, maybe, he was on the crime beat, and he would get the, the, the initial parts of a story. Then he, like and like, you have done, Steve, many, many times, he works that story, right? You go to the police, you go to your sources, you go to the crime scene, you do the things that help you build the story. And you get that at maybe 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. And by 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., you sort of have the finished product of what the story actually is. But at 10 a.m., you don't have the full picture of the story. And so Ben Smith tells this entire story about how that was an older process that ended with a really nice finished product. Now media is all about like, no, you don't. The reason media is wrong, the reason media gets things wrong, the media like we don't wait for the whole story. And that process is now sort of out there for everyone to see as it happens. And it's why people are out there rushing to social media to post things at the beginning of the process when they should be waiting till the end of the research process and actually post the full completed story. Does that does that make sense? Because Mel said, I'm not going to post this, I'm not going to do it for the for the two minute hit on Sports Center. Well every other media company is asking their people, I don't care if the story's fully finished yet. Get that clip out there for 30 seconds so we can get some clicks. And that that I thought that was an interesting kind of parallel between what ben smith was talking about and what mel mel won't do in terms of the draft does that make does that make sense oh, all that
1: so so l- let me let me extend that even more we were having a discussion at at this lunch at jasper's go to jasper's go to jasper's. Uh, uh uh with with some people who have who have helped uh fund the banner so far and so it's a small foundation a small family oh. foundation here in town
0: Steve only and, takes and, very important people to Jasper's.
1: <laughs> and so, but we were having a, and and the 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 goal of lunch was to just kind of catch them up on a bunch of different stuff, but also to kind of explain you know our rationale for for why things why we're doing things the way we are. And, and this is something Dimitri and I have been talking about now for for a while as we as we get as we get the banner closer to launch is the incentives around nonprofit news versus for profit news and the and the incentives around uh the incentives around like building membership versus building clicks and and the incentives around uh uh, um acting in a longer slower fashion uh, with more depth and context versus uh you know versus getting something there immediately and we we talk a lot about kind of like the arbitrage of of what it, of what that get of what getting that thing out there an hour before the competition needs and there there's a there's a term that we that we use a lot of times in in news which is called recovery and and it's how fast can you how fast can you get the same story that that they did and the the problem that we have and this is what smith talks about is getting to in his story and and what we talk about a lot is so many things that we do are infinitely recoverable the the the, what the news is doing right now they're one fact two fact stories they're tweets they are they they, they they're things that that with one phone call someone can someone can have the exact same story and the, the goal should be as news organizations to to be building stories content uh, and, and and news in general that is is not immediately recoverable you know we talk right. about wanting to break news uh, and and we will break news but breaking news is not is not telling some people something a half hour before the cops say it to everybody else or 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 you know making that campaign announcement uh, you know right before they send out the tweet those are you know those are kind of ego things that we as journalists love to do on Twitter sure. and 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 in alerts that's not that's not valuable you can't build and and, and to to Benz, well I mean, it's to it's value it's
0: valuable in a short-term burst of like dopamine hits and then there, but you can't build a business on it long term you,
1: you cannot build a yeah. business around it. and that's yeah. and that's the that's the thing I'm the, the point I'm trying to make here yeah. and and this is and this is what entirely traffic is all about is and and Smith said Smith has said this over and over and over again. You know, I wish we had I wish we had greater evaluated the business and how we were going to make money around social um, around the social mediaization of news as opposed to just doing it and being really good at it.
0: Yeah, it, it, and maybe I didn't explain it as well. You probably just did a better job. But basically, it's let's take the entire. Basically, let's live stream the entire reporting process that used to be offline. Right. It would take you 10 or 12 hours to work on a story like it would be like the, the story you were working on for The New York Times on the, the Christmas Day bomber where you're actually going to talk to specific people involved in the story. It would be like you live tweeting your conversations before actually doing all the research with all the different parties to actually write the fully formed story of what took place. And that is where people then judge the media and say, well, look, you were wrong at 8 a.m. But then, if you waited to, to to post all that stuff until the fully formed story at four p.m. or in the paper the next day, then you've got the fully formed, like completely clean, well thought out, descriptive story of what's taking place. And I thought that was interesting that Mel Kiper was like, "No, I just why would I do that?" Where I I guarantee you, if his television producers knew that was happening they would be like, no, get the damn thing on the air. <laughs> get, get the, you heard something about what Team X is doing with Pick 18. You need to tweet it right now. Like, Get it out there. Get it to Schefter. We need a bomb right now. So I, I thought that was interesting because it tied directly in uh, to your recommendation, I think, from last week or the week before. My recommendation is go listen to the Ben Smith interview on Offline. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, they also did he, John and his new co-host, Max Fisher, who also wrote an amazing book about how social media is breaking our brains. Um, they, they, they did a, a one week experiment where they took away their iPhones and were, weren't allowed to use the iPhones and gave them like flip phone burners and said, let's talk about it next week after seven days of doing this. Let's see what happens. So, so fascinating stuff. So, um, otherwise that's it for me, man. Uh, I, I just thought that was interesting. Mel's great. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about it on all the other shows when we talk about the Titans, because Mel said a lot of great stuff in there for you Titans fans. So,
1: okay. I have one recommendation this week. Uh, and it is from the Hollywood Reporter, and it is so good. Um, if you are of a certain age, and I mean my age, uh, <laughs> MTV News is a very specific thing. Kurt Loader coming in with the, you know, with 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 the the the, the swirling MTV uh, icon and the MTV News. Ding, 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 ding. His, uh, his
0: reporting on uh, Kurt Cobain, I saw that floating around the internet by the way the other day. It's really good it, it, it was as professional like it, it was amazing to me how good MTV news was at news
1: <laughs> well I mean L- I mean Loder was a really good reporter for Rolling Stone before but uh, right, a really right. good kind of news reporter anyway there's a story in The Hollywood reporter called it was lightning and bottle an oral history of MTV news and and it's things like you know and, and it and it talks to Kurt Loder and Tabitha Soren and John Norris and Allison Stewart and all these people that you kind of like scene go on to other things uh it's it is absolutely fascinating uh it, it is it is a moment in time and they you know they shut down mtv news here last week uh kind of like the the the, the death throes of what mtv news is now um but it was it, it's just it's an excellent story one other thing uh one other thing i want to uh kind of kind of tease out there um we have some we have some banner stuff that's coming here in the next week uh we have a three-part series from uh, Dimitria, uh on a slice of Nashville history that is just absolutely fascinating that if you haven't uh, signed up for us at NashvilleBanner.com, co- uh, go there, give us your email. We'll drop stories into your inbox. And then we have a whole bunch of election coverage coming your way um, here soon. So uh, we have council stuff. We have uh, mayoral stuff. We have vice mayor stuff. Uh, we're we're about to be really in the weeds on this, uh, <laughs> on the banner side. And so sign up, uh, particularly before June 1st, uh, give us your email and we're going to flood you out with uh, election
0: coverage around the August 3rd local elections. Love it. Love it. Love it. Can't wait to be in the weeds with the creatures uh, at at uh, at S. Cavendish, of course, at Braden Gall at 440 Sports. Sign up for good journalism. Nashville dot com. Go listen to offline. Go read Ben Smith's book. Uh, tell everybody that you know that Mel Kuiper is one of the nicest human beings you've ever met. And if you say, and if you hear anyone ever bad mouthing Mel Kuiper, you have the permission to punch that person in the face. Uh, but I will deny ever telling you that. Uh, have a slice
1: of pumpkin pie in his honor.
0: There you go. Have a slice of pie or a whole pie uh, in his honor. Or just eat, Jas- filling, uh, just eat the
1: filling. Just Just eat a can of the filling. <laughs>
0: can we get Jasper's That's- to make like a, like their their nouveau chic twist on the next evolution of the pumpkin pie? We we'll need call to it Jasper's the new Mel. Today. The new Mel. I, the new helmet I, here. I, I have discovered, and like three years ago, I discovered, uh, like, I, man, <laughs> pump cheesecake, pumpkin pie cheesecake. Holy smokes, unbelievable!
1: Much better than an actual pumpkin pie. Better than pumpkin Which
0: pie, is, but potentially, yes.
1: Pumpkin so, pie,
0: not that good. Pumpkin pie is great. Mel Kuyper is great. Jasper's is great. Nashville Banner is great. 440 Sports, Scavendish, average at best. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, thank you guys all. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.